You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumer. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumer. You know, and Mary Jo, it's kind of an exciting day for me. Uh, I retired last fall. Uh, the coronavirus and the pandemic kept me out of the classroom. It just proved too difficult. But just minutes ago, I accepted a new position to teach in the fall. That's pretty exciting, huh? Yeah, so that means things are looking up. Things We're are re- looking up. rejoining the world, John. Well, and actually, I bring it up because the only way I felt I could accept this is uh, we know the vaccination here. Uh, is or the vaccine, let me say it better, is becoming more common. We're now hearing possibly that vaccines may be plentiful by May. Uh, I heard this morning that uh, Merck has entered into an agreement with Johnson Johnson to manufacture their vaccine uh, for them. It's obviously going to create uh, a lot more. And I, I, I think there was some news in Ohio, right? Yes. Uh, yesterday, the governor announced that anyone 60 and over can get vaccinated, which would include me, yay, yeah. um, starting Thursday. So my intrepid <laughs> agent, Mo, my husband, is on every website trying to get me signed up. And um, it, it, I had such a funny um, reaction to that yesterday when our sister Susie actually sent me the the link to that. Like, I felt so relieved thinking it's really going to happen. I mean, I know you've been vaccinated. I know my my husband's got his first shot. Um, But my own personal feeling was this is going to be over at some point. And it doesn't mean tomorrow, but it means in a time frame that we can get our brains around. And I was super happy about that. Well, I I was as well. And I even had a funny moment of this yesterday. I, I went to get my haircut because now that I'm vaccinated, I feel like I can do anything I want. So I, I went to get my haircut and, uh, you know, we're just chattering. And so I was saying that I'd gotten the vaccination and the two barbers who were there uh, told me, wow, that's great. But with some sadness, they said, you know, uh, I have not been able to get a place for my mom to uh, get the vaccine. Uh, of course, the way the world is right now, their mom is like my age. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. and, and I even felt a little bad, like I was bragging that I had had, uh, had the vaccine, because I think we as a country have been going through kind of a funny time on that, on who's getting it, who's not. But I agree with you. We, I think you said at some point, but I think that's the feeling we're getting. There's an end to this someday right and it again it it may not be you know fully for a year or so but at least we'll be able to venture forward and i think when i heard fauci this you know sunday one of the sunday shows and he said well if you two fully vaccinated people they can have dinner with two fully vaccinated people in the same house there's really no risk to that so I think our risk assessments, which is really how we manage in these times, 
uh, risk assessment will start to change as the vaccine becomes more ubiquitous. And I think that's good for all of us mentally. Well, it is. And I think what what you just mentioned about two people who are vaccinated, being able to have dinner with two other people, in many ways is like the guidelines uh, that we used to get on HIV and on herpes, frankly. Similar kind of things of who could... (laughs) Who could have sex could with have each other? Ex- yeah, it's, exactly. It's, we caught you caught me there for a minute. Like, what, thought, what did that mean? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah that's where I went. It's so long that I've been married that yeah. I kind of forgot about. We that forget a about. <laughs> we forget about what I like to call the golden age of sex uh, that <laughs> began in 1967 after Griswold uh, v. Connecticut made birth control generally available and ended in the early 1980s uh, with the advent of that word that Ronald Reagan would never say, AIDS. Exactly. (laughs) So, you know, how will we look back 30 years from now on this moment? God willing, we're both still alive. And um, I think we will see these spring months as like, whoa, we can enter the world again. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. And I'm on this three-day Zoom training, and I'm thinking, I hope I never have to do this again because <laughs> I just started. Absolutely. And it feels like I've been on for, you know, three days already. Yeah. So. You know, it's it's interesting. We're talking about the personal parts of it, and I guess our own excitement on things. There remains some big questions because one of the things that can mess this up is – the uh, vaccine is available. There's plenty of them there. But if too high a percentage of Americans decide they don't want to take it, we have a problem. Uh, you know, we all learned a, a term in the last year or so of uh, herd immunity. And herd immunity means the the herd's got to be vaccinated, Right. Yes. And, you know, it's interesting. I heard this morning that um, that there's, we're starting to reach herd immunity for the elder population, meaning anyone over 65. So it's 50% of over 65-year-olds are vaccinated already. So we're starting to certain age groups or certain jobs or whatever, you're starting to get some herd immunity I think they say 80% is really the number where you've reached herd immunity. And we did talk about this yesterday, about what's your moral obligation. And this was kind of after the fact, and we don't usually do a part two, but today we're doing a part two on uh, vaccinations. I was wondering what you thought about um, the moral imperative or or what's the you know the philosophical ethical underpinnings of our obligation as individuals well, I mean, to I, get vaccinated. Yeah, I think it's interesting. And I think there are two principles that would underlie the sense that you have an obligation. The first is we, you and I, everybody, we do have a responsibility to our own health, to the preservation of our own life. And Philosophically, this is always a difficult topic. It's the reason we do not find suicide to be a moral act. Now, the reason I say that's complicated, suicide brings up a lot of psychological things related to depression and and so forth. But assuming we push those aside and we ask the question, as Kant, as Bentham, a number of people uh, did, Kant most importantly, 
is suicide uh, morally justi justified? And he says, no. The reason is not unlike uh, the reasoning the Catholic Church uh, takes, which you know goes under the name of pro-life. That includes not only whether you should abort uh, uh, fetuses, but it also includes what is your responsibility to yourself? First moral question. There's a second moral question, and that is, what is your responsibility to the lives and health of others? And maybe that's the one that's even clearer. Even if you don't feel that, uh, uh, that you want the vaccine or what, for whatever reason, you have a responsibility to the, uh, the common good. What's interesting to me is uh, the Pope, Pope Francis, last week came out with an absolutely clear statement that we have not only a right, but that we have a moral obligation based on those two principles that I just gave to get the vaccine. This was important in Catholicism because there was a rising question among very conservative Catholics about whether it was moral to take the vaccination. You're going to have to bear with me for a second while I go in the weeds. The testing, not the production, but the testing of the vaccines was done on uh, live embryonic cells. Now, these were not embryos taken out of fetuses. They were part of a line of stem cells that went all the way back to the early 70s. There were two elective, totally legal abortions in the early 70s where they took these embryonic stem cells and then they've reproduced since then. You don't go and get new cells. So there were people in Catholicism who said, no, getting the vaccine is being complicit in the evil of that abortion from 1973. Now, you and a lot of people can say, really? That's like, you're going to get hang up, hung up on that? But yeah, some uh, moral theologians do. And it was important that the Pope step in and say, okay, I get it, you know, there's some complexity there, but the principles of your own health and the health of the, the common good, the health of others, supersede everything else. So you therefore have a moral obligation. Okay, was that the longest answer? I've, no, you, you and I have <laughs> known was, each other a long time. I've given you longer answers. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting, though, because it feels commonsensical to me that as an individual, we have responsibility to ourselves, you know, and if from a theological perspective, whether you believe this or not, but if you do, that God created you and you have an obligation to um, take care of that creation, kind of like we think about the earth, right, right? And, and environmental issues. The second piece is people who who rely on you, who are part of your family, you know, part of your close world, that you have an obligation to them. That's when I think when you talk about suicide, that's what's so complicated about suicide. The mental health issue aside, what do you leave in its wake? And so what do you leave in its wake of a serious disease like COVID and the people left behind? And then and then who you could get you know, make sick, and then the larger your community, um, 
the country, the world. So I, it seems like an easy one to me on the life issue, on the ethical issue, and just the basic human issue. I don't want to get anyone sick, and I don't want to live in my house for the rest of my life. So what choice do I have but to get vaccinated so that I can continue to live in the world, which is not just good for your mental health, but it's also good for the world. That's how we're built. We get out, we socialize, we work, we help each other, we volunteer. Like you said, now that you're vaccinated, you can start volunteering at the food pantry again. You know, that, those are our obligations as human beings. You know, I know what you're saying, that it seems simple on the surface. I'll tell you what gets it complex. The governing moral principle for most Americans today and people in other other places, obviously, as well, is personal freedom and choice. And the idea is that if I choose to do something, then I have a right to do that. Uh, When I'd be working with my high school students in the morality class, the thing they would always come back to is, but if you give consent, then it's it's okay. And that's really been at the bottom of uh, the debate such as it is about wearing masks. Well, if I don't want to wear a mask, you can't make me. Uh, you're not the boss of me. And it also goes into the vaccine. I have a choice if I don't believe that that's the right thing to do. And you can kind of hear within the kind of rugged American individualism how that becomes the primary moral principle. And it is difficult, I think, for some people to realize that is not the primary moral principle. Obligation to self, which is different than just saying I have a choice, and uh, obligation to others, those are superseding principles. And we as a nation, haven't quite broken through on that. Sure, and, and it's a, I know we talked about this early on in the pandemic and um, talked about things like uh, smoking and seatbelts and those other issues where uh, we, make, we might have a choice. I have a choice to smoke, but I don't have the right to smoke in public. I want to stay home and smoke, but even in um, smoking, isn't it true that I'm risking my own health when I smoke? Therefore, I should not smoke, even if I love smoking. Well, you're right. So, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I think the seatbelt issue is the same. You know, do I have the right to be in a car accident, to be badly injured, and then other people are going to have to take care of me, are going to have to pay for that, all that? So I don't think this is different. And public health is a space where I think we've decided as a society long ago that the collective in the form of the government can make decisions to take away our personal liberty for public health. We can. And we've got more we could explore there. You've got to go back to work on a Zoom conference. And uh, as you know, I will begin teaching again in mid-August. So I got to start on my lesson plans. (laughs) Like right now. Have fun, fun, John. (laughs) Bye. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.